All right, thank you guys so much for being with us this morning as we come together and worship God through song and through his word. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, uh, some scripture in uh, Psalm 113. If you can put the next slide, I'll be able to see it, but fantastic. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Closes in 
And good morning. Welcome as we worship. And welcome online as we, as we worship together to think about singing that song. And someday we'll stand before His throne and myriads of voices will be singing together. And we sing with angels, okay? Um, what, what a glorious day that will be. That's the anticipation that we have. That's the hope that we have as, as a, a child of God, okay? Really is the hope that we have that, that I didn't have at one time in my life. And my prayer is, if you don't have that hope, uh, that today might be that day that you find that hope. We need a lot of things in today's world. We need, uh, we need rain. If you've been watching, it's dry out. And uh, somewhere along the line, we need a little bit of rain. Uh, we, had, we need protection from the fires that have been going on. Uh, we need protection from the COVID still. It's still uh, ramped up in certain parts of the state and across the country. The, the numbers pick up. Uh, we have an election going on. And here's the thing. All of those things are, are, are God is at work in the midst of it. God has a plan and it may be beyond our understanding. But I know however it happens that God didn't lose control. But that God is very much in control. And what God desires most of all is not rain, the end of a disease, or a political candidate. He desires children of God. He desires true worshipers. He desires for you and I, who are children of God, to carry the gospel message out there to people who don't have that, who don't, don't understand that. To get in front of and God placed me in front of an audience that I'm relatively sure, even today, not everybody knows who Jesus is. Somewhere along the line, some of you will actually share this on Facebook. That means that some of your friends will see it as they scroll by. Friends that are lost. So pray that they'd stop and listen to the songs and join in, listen to the message and the hope that we have. And then have that conversation with them and share with them what it means to be a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Father, I pray that as we walk through this life, Lord, there's a lot of things throwing at us, a lot of things to, uh, to cause us a little bit of anxiety. And Father, we pray that we turn to You. We look to You, Father, to find You and to find Your strength. Father, in these days that are ahead, Father, we, we think about the rain, we think about the harvest, we think about the fires, we think about the election, we think about the disease, we think about staying safe. Father, help us not to forget, Lord, that there are people that do not know You. Father, they're looking at our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be a light. Father, we might direct them to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame 
7 it reads therefore everyone who bears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock
is me when I call. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. We're going to be towards the end of that chapter. We'll go over some of the things. We'll do kind of a review. Let me back up to like the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we saw the problem with the, the head covering for the woman, and we saw the problem with the, the Lord's Supper. And it was about how they did things in the church. Then in the 12th chapter, we, Paul begins to talk about the spiritual gifts. And we understand that they had a problem with spiritual gifts. And Paul, Paul tells them that they're supposed to do that for the common good. The gifts that you are given, the gift that you are given, is not for you, it is for the kingdom. Okay, So that we need to understand that. That's what he drives home in that 12th chapter. In the 13th chapter, where we were last week, it talks about love, and, 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 and that's how you're supposed to use your gift. You got a gift, use it with love. It's, you know, it's a beautiful chapter, and it, it follows up on the gifts, and it, it, it for, it's there for a reason. It's, that, it's in that order. And then in the 14th chapter, we go right back to talking about the gifts. Now, I will tell you, that the church at Corinth honestly had the same problem that a lot of churches do even today. Because of all the gifts that he's talking about, the most, I don't know, dramatic of the gifts, the, most, uh, the, the gift that just really catches your attention is the ability to speak in tongues. Right? And so that's the language of angels or whatever, however you want to term that. And it means that you talk and I can't understand a word you say. It's, that's what tongues is. And, and to them, those people who were really 
quote-unquote spiritual. Remember, they're working in a world where they have a hierarchy of things. That's the world they came out of. That's the world they drag that baggage with them of, of using things to elevate themselves so they have a higher status than somebody else. And some of these people may have honestly not been all that wealthy, but all of a sudden they can speak in tongues. So boom, they've got something they can hang their hat on so they've got this prophecy. They've got this, excuse me, they've got this gift of tongues. And I've been around people who, who so desired that and didn't think they had arrived until they could speak in tongues. Now, Paul comes along with this 14th chapter as we have it. He didn't write it in chapters, remember? As he progresses through the letter to the church of God at Corinth, trying to, to, to straighten things out, so to speak. Trying to fix things. Trying to get them to where they needed to be. And he addresses this, and he tells them earlier in this chapter that we're going to read at the end, he tells them that they need to desire prophecy over tongues. They need, to pro they need because it is for the edification, it is for the exhortation, and it is for the consultation. That means that, that prophecy has the ability to build you up. It has the ability to build others up around you. It has the ability to, to exhort you. In other words, to to fire you up. Right? It, you know, it's a halftime speech, so to speak. God wants to fire you up, get you excited, so you go out there on the field and you realize that you are conquerors through Him. You are not defeated. And that's the exhortation and the consultation. I'm just going to say, when I talk about those things and I look at, I look at the mess that our world is in, I every once in a while need to go back and understand God's in control and God has a plan. That's a consultation. That when the world around me is falling apart, that, that the world wants to say to me, where's God at? Why is all this happening? I know that there were countless generations before me that said the same thing. And as I read through the pages of the Bible God wasn't absent. God was very much at work. Case in point, go back to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk goes, how long? In other words, God, are you, are, do you know what's going on here in, in Israel? Do you know what's going on here in Judah? You, you, maybe you ought to do something about it. It's it kind of like Habakkuk is, is waking God from a slumber. God was already at work. Now, it wasn't exactly like Habakkuk had it planned out. But God was at work. It may not be like we want it, but I'm going to tell you that God's decision-making, God's wisdom, God's knowledge exceeds mine. I have, from time to time, as you are aware of, I've made some mistakes. Matter of fact, I told you that I had made mistakes on what Scripture to read. And I told you that as in the Bible app, there was another mistake. Charlie called and pointed it out to me. I'm thankful for that. I had caught it by that time and fixed it. Fixed an email. But God doesn't make those mistakes. And so God is in control. And I need that consultation. I need that consultation. 
And then Paul, as he goes back and he talks about these gifts of prophecy in tongues, comes back to what we talked about the 11th chapter, when the church gathers. Because what the church does when it gathers, it matters. Okay, What we do on a Sunday matters. What we do anytime we gather as a church matters. Let me, let me walk you through a couple things. All right. The service that we are doing today is a little bit different than it was in February. Right? So, so Adam and I have had the discussions about lots of things. And we have had discussions about how do we, how do we plan a service. And I want to talk to you about planning a service. All right? We have made some changes. We have made some changes. The, the, the order of things has at times been, been changed. If, if you're watching online, maybe you, maybe you think we cut that out. But because of COVID, we don't do the offering. There's an offering. There's a way to give online. There's a, there is a plate out, so if people still want to write a check or give cash, that, that option is still available. We have, it's just, it's just changed. The invitation time has changed up. Why did we do that? Because of what, what's going on online. You know, if you, if you think taking an offering in person gives you an opportunity to, to, to jump out of the service, imagine sitting on your couch at home well, that means you can get up and make popcorn. And then maybe when you get up and do popcorn, you see something else that needs to be done. And the next thing you know, oh, they're all done at church. So we had to try to do things to keep people engaged. What's our goal? Our goal is to be a door to Jesus. To be a path to Jesus. Our purpose as we have the service is twofold. Simply put, it's twofold. One is to, to present the gospel so that if there's somebody here or online that doesn't know Jesus, that they can know Jesus as their Savior. That God can speak through the songs, God can speak through the message, and, and, and convict them of their lostness, of their brokenness. And it's something that we say gives them an opportunity to ask the question, how do I be saved? How, how can I be saved? That Acts chapter 2 question, how can I be saved? What do we need to do? What do I need to do? The second part of our goal is this, is for you and I who have been born again, not to remain a baby. That means that we want to develop our walk with God, to draw closer to God. So what we do here matters. And that's what Paul talks about. We can either be a pathway to all of that happening, or we can be a roadblock, or we can be a detour that takes us away from our goal and our purpose as we gather together 
as the church. So let's pick it up in the 20th verse of the 14th chapter. We're going to read the next six verses, 20th through the 26th. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by man of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. Even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Let all things be done for edification. Let's talk about that phrase. He interprets you all be mad. That's the idea of chaos. You walk into a meeting and, and, and people are speaking in a language that you can't understand. Matter of fact, you don't know that it's the tongues of angels. You just know that they're, well, they sound mad. Okay? That's what you walk in on. If you walk in to a Chinese restaurant, you won't be with me, but if you walk into a Chinese restaurant and they all speak Chinese and nobody speaks English, it's going to be difficult for you. Matter of fact, you may end up leaving. It's just the way it is. So what he's talking about here is the gifts. Everybody in Corinth, the church of God at Corinth, wants to speak in tongues, right? Because that makes them spiritually elite. But what he says is if you all gather together and you all start talking in that, what happens is the unbeliever enters in and he hears what is madness to him. The unbeliever enters in as an unbeliever and he exits as an unbeliever, right? Because he can't understand what it, is, what it is to be saved. I mean, it's bad enough that we talk in church language in English. But imagine if we talk in church language that isn't even English. That presents a problem to the unbeliever. I have come because I have seen that maybe what I need for my life is in here. I want to learn about that. And so I have come to the church of God at Corinth or at Carlinville, and I walk in, and it's madness to me. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's being said. And I, and I walk away from that occasion. 
I will tell you, as I, I talked about the Chinese restaurant, I will tell you, I was in Atlanta, oh, it was probably 2014, 2015, something like that. I was down there for um, Dr. Page's Small Church Advisory Council. And, and I decided that I would, I think I rode my, I actually, it was a time that I rode my motorcycle down there. So I rode my motorcycle just down the road from the hotel instead of eating hotel food, because hotel food's okay. So I decided I'd go find me a Mexican place. So I went down and I found this Mexican place. I walk in and, and I sat down and, and they brought me a menu. And then the waitress came back. And I ordered carnitas, probably is what I ordered. And so I ordered that up. And, and, and when I told her what I wanted to drink, she asked me to point at it. Do you know why? Because she didn't know English. So we had a communication thing. And then when I ordered the car, I pointed at what I wanted. Well, she couldn't come back and tell me they didn't have it. Why? Because I wouldn't have understood her. So they sent back somebody else who did speak English to tell me that they didn't have what I wanted. You see, there was a potential for me not to eat there because there was a communication breakdown. So do you understand what Paul is getting at here? Paul is talking about the gifts. He's not saying that tongues are bad in this reference to the church of God at Corinth. But he's saying that without understanding, the lost man walks away lost. The lost man that God has brought do you know what it takes to get a lost guy to church? Think about it. Think about the people that you have invited. How many excuses have they gone through not to be here? How many excuses have they got? You know, you, you've told them, hey, you can still sit in your living room in your pajamas and, and, and watch church, right? You don't, you don't even have to. You're afraid because they've told you that the building is going to fall down on them when they walk in, right? You've heard that? So you've, you said, okay, you don't even have to come to the building. Our building will stay safe. The insurance man will be happy. And, and you can watch church from home. And they had another excuse, right? Really, they did. Do you know how hard it is to get somebody in a place where you can present them the gospel? And then all of a sudden they have the courage they, they, they finally you know, overcome whatever fear it is, whatever obstacle it is, and they, they come into the house of God. And they walk in, and it's chaos. And they walk out. One time you had the opportunity to speak to them the gospel message. And they walked out because of the chaos. What Paul's talking about. And, and in a me-centered church, do you see the difficulty? Because it's about them. But when we begin to look at things like Paul looks at, you see the lost guy, and that becomes a priority. Not your own show-off. You see, that's what Paul driving at. And I ask you, 
Because we, we walk through this. What's your priority? Your preferences? Your desires? You? Or is it the person that doesn't have what you have? And that's to be able to call God your Father. You know, think about those kind of things that are going on. And that's where Paul is addressing the church of God at Corinth. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about what Jesus did on the cross so that the lost could be found. It's not, well, I got my saving thing and move on. It's you've got it and you need to share. So Paul moves from the chaos and he says, what would happen if we had order in our service? That's how the end of the 40th verse is. Let everything be done in order. Why? Because we have a purpose to present the gospel, to present Jesus Christ crucified, to present Jesus Christ buried, and to present Jesus Christ risen. We're going to see that in the 15th chapter. When we come back next week, what are we going to read? We're going to read the gospel in a nutshell. And that's what our job is. That's our purpose as we gather together, is to celebrate that Jesus Christ was on the cross, not because He'd done anything wrong, but because you and I had done something wrong. We have sinned. So when Jesus Christ, when we talk about Jesus Christ on the cross, it's not because of what He has done. It's be, it is because He loved us. We sinned. He was on the cross because of our sins and because He loved us. Because it wasn't all about Him. It was about us. That He died on the cross. They buried Him because He had died. We do that today, right? Just participate in one. Put them in a casket. You put them in the ground. They're done. They're finished. That's what they thought was Jesus, right? Jesus had become a problem to the religious establishment because he was stealing from them as how they viewed it. He was not what they expected, so they pushed him to the side. Matter of fact, to the point that they crucified him. They didn't understand that he was dying for the sins, for their sins. They thought they were putting an end to this problem. They put him in a grave. They rolled a stone in front. Matter of fact, so much so that they put a guard in front of it. When we do it today, we put flowers on top. That's it. Flowers don't keep nobody out. They put a guard there. And when they came back to the grave, on the third day, on that Sunday, the first day of the week, what did they find? On the stone rolled and the guards walking back and forth across, right? And the flowers all dried up. No! The stone was rolled away and Jesus was alive. That's the story that we get to tell. He overcame death so that we might overcome death. That's the purpose that we do this. To present Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. We do this for the edification, the building up of the body. You, know, we, you and I, when you, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were a 
babe in Christ, right? That's how you started out. I don't care how old you were. I saw the other day somebody baptized a guy. 30 years ago, I thought he was old. Okay? So, So he's really old now. But you know what? When they baptize him, he's a babe in Christ. You want to feel young again? Find Christ when you're old. We have to grow. That means we need to be edified. We need to be built up. The church of God at Corinth needed to be built up and mature. Needed to be built up and mature. What happens when we gather together as a church and we do those things to present the gospel and we do those things to edify those who know Christ? What happens? It results in a changed life. What happens when the man who doesn't have understanding comes in and he gains understanding of his brokenness, of his lostness, and and he accepts Jesus Christ? His, His life is changed. It results in a changed life. Flip the slide there. Results in a changed life. And that's what we're... We're we're about transformation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it tells us that we become a new creature. We want new creatures. We want change in the life. And then we want growth. Right? We come in, when we come in and gather together, we want to give opportunity for the lost to become saved. For those that are on their way to hell to have their destination changed so they have an eternal. So when they sing the songs, they understand that they're going to be singing around the throne in front of Him in seeing Jesus and all of His glory. And we want to to come in here and get stronger. Because when you walk out of here, maybe even right now, the enemy is chipping away at you, seeking to weaken your relationship with him. He does that here by distracting you or thinking of all the, I mean, what's, is my pot roast going to burn in the stove, right? I mean, you know, those kind of things. And out there in the world, you turn on your TV and, and, and you get caught up in this, you freak God is at work. We want to be built up so that our lives are connected, that we're walking with Him, that no matter what the world throws at us, I'm serving God. We want to be built up. We want our lives changed. We want our lives changed. I want to I close with this thought. How can you use your gift to contribute to the team effort. To the effort of the church. Because if you're a believer, what? You are, God called you to be a spectator. Is that a spiritual gift somewhere in there that I missed? It is not in there. Do you notice that as, as Paul wraps this up, he doesn't dismiss any gift. But he tells you that those gifts are to be used, what? For the edification of the body. That means that if you have a gift, you have been called on to do what? To use it so that the body might be built up, so that the gospel might be proclaimed, so that lives might be changed. You're not 
you're not called to clap your hands. You're called to get your hands dirty, to put a few calluses on them, to use whatever gift it is that you have to bring the lost so that they might have this, the opportunity to hear that. And I, I think I, I can't relate to everybody, right? But you can relate to people that I can't relate to. You have that gift to be able to relate to that certain group of people that I can't connect with. You know, most of you know anyway, that I make chocolate chip cookies. And they're, they're actually the second best in the world. Your mama's is the best, all right? But they're the second best chocolate chip cookies in the world. I will take you back to a time when, I think it was when, when Alicia had been operated back in her fourth grade year, and my cousin showed up with their little boys, and what the kids like, chocolate chip cookies. So I grabbed the, the Nestle Toll House wrapper, and on the back of it, it gives you a recipe. So I followed the recipe, and I made these chocolate chip cookies. I baked them in the oven. I took them out of the oven, and they didn't look at all like chocolate chip cookies. I mean, they, they kind of, they had lots of chocolate. They had lots of sugar. They had no flour. In the midst of that, the two and a quarter cups flour that it requires for chocolate chip cookies was not in there. I don't even know if I got a quarter cup in there. I can't tell you. I just know that they didn't make cookies because I had missed something that belonged. If we do church and you don't throw your gift into the mix, we're not getting what God intended. Understand that. You not bringing your gift to the party, to the work of God, is not allowing us to be the best that we can be. We have great things to do for God. We have lives to change. We have people to reach. We have our own lives to change. This isn't about us. This is about Him. He has called us together to be the church of God in Carlinville. We need to bring our gifts and see what God will do when we bring our gifts to bear in order without the chaos, not about us, but about Him, and stand and watch and expect that God is going to do something. So today, as we give that invitation, we're going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to invite you. You can do that where you're at or at home. You can do that at here. You can pray where you're at. If you want to come down and pray with me, I'll put my mask on, okay? And we'll pray. And, and, and we'll do this as safe as we can. But I want you to understand, if you've got a gift and you haven't been using it, it's time to put your flour in. It's time to put your sugar in. Whatever it is that you are in the mix, whatever gift that God has given to you, it's time for you to give that gift so that we can see that God wants to do. Our land needs a renewal, a revival, an awakening. An election won't do it. A disease won't do it. But God is working in our midst to do what? To drive us to Him. It's time that we answer. Let's pray. Father, come to You in prayer this day. Father, for those listening online, those here in the sanctuary, the auditorium. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and draw us to you. Father, allow us to step out from behind our excuses.
step out and stand, so to speak. And Father, to, to embrace the gift that you have given to us. Father, to use it, to allow you to use it for the edification of your body so that somebody's life might be changed. In Jesus' name. Worshiping with us, whether you were here in person or you're online, even later on this week as you watch this, thank you for joining with us. Thank you for worshiping with us. Encourage you to keep reading your scripture. Uh, the, the scripture's up here. It's Acts 11 and 12, Amos 7 through 8, Psalm 50 through, through 57, and Proverbs 10. It's a lot to read. But you know what? Isn't it wonderful? The word that you find there as you read that reminds you of who you are and what he's done and what he's capable of. And I pray that today as you go about your life, that God would use you and use the gift that he has given to you. Thank you.